Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Yesterday was our first good martini. It's a qualified good martini for the week, but today, two good martinis, and honestly, they're good martinis, plus a really, really bad one. So uh, stay tuned for that. A couple of great sponsors, as usual. And Jim, let's talk about something positive on the international stage that it looks like the Biden administration was part of here, uh, because there certainly hasn't been much on that front, whether it's Afghanistan or a lot of other things that we could say, hey, you know, that actually makes sense. But it looks like there is enough concern in this administration to partner up with the Brits and the Aussies uh, to try and deter Chinese aggression in the uh, Indo-Pacific. So uh, Reuters is reporting China denouncing the new Indo-Pacific Security Alliance among the United States, Britain, and Australia, saying such partnerships should not target third countries and warning of an intensified arms race in the region. Under the arrangement, our three countries will provide Australia with the technology and capability to deploy nuclear-powered submarines. France, which loses its own submarine deal with Australia in the process, calls the plans brutal and unpredictable, and they even compared Biden's uh, unpredictability here to Trump, whatever that's worth. Uh, The United States and its allies are looking for ways to push back, Reuters says, against China's growing power and influence, particularly its military buildup, pressure on Taiwan, and deployments in the contested South China Sea. So, Jim... Good to see that we're actually getting along a little better with our allies. I think it was the British Parliament about a month ago that uh, pretty much held Joe Biden in contempt for how he was getting out of Afghanistan. But China, as you have documented in any number of different ways, uh, remains a global threat, whether it's the virus, whether it's what they did to Hong Kong, what's what they're openly threatening to do to Taiwan and and on and on and on throughout the world. Um This is important. We have to have a a, a strong front. Uh, I do remember that when things were going south in Hong Kong, uh, the Brits and the Aussies were probably the strongest in their diplomatic response to that. Not exactly sure how much it will deter China, but uh, it's it's good to have the statement out there and uh, it's good to have the presence out there. Indeed it is, Greg. And I just want to make the observation. I know this wasn't the reason for why France was not invited to this little party we're having in the Pacific. Uh, but when I see that, I'm kind of like, you know, Greg, they really should have let us use their airspace when we were bombing Gaddafi back in the 1980s. Mm. Some of us have long memories about that. Or we might say the Iraq war, other cases where the French government has not been as steadfast and reliable an ally as we would like. But all in all, you know, France generally is good and on our side. You do kind of I do find myself wondering. Um, while I am perfectly comfortable with the UK and the Australians having a top-tier naval power, uh, having the kind of submarine technology that puts them on par with us and that just gives, uh, if God forbid there's ever some sort of uh, sea conflict between ourselves and our allies in China, that they'll have more to worry about. I do wonder, though, if you spread the technology to other countries, does that create an additional security risk of it leaking uh, or being compromised, or or something like that. The details of how it works, getting into the the you know hands of Chinese intelligence, or something like that. Um, the other thing that's a little unusual about this is when you I don't know about you, but when I hear about you know the U.S., U.K., and Australia, well, that's three fifths of the five eyes. Canada and New Zealand being the other two. It's kind of this um, intelligence sharing operation, which basically says anything of importance that we find, we're going to share it with those other four countries. 
all Western, although spread around the globe, all English speaking and all ones in which, you know, in addition to um, our, our traditional geopolitical and, and other, you know, relationships, a whole lot of really interesting NSA technology is in places like Pine Gap in Australia and in, I believe, uh, in, in New Zealand. I think they have something called Spy Valley is the nickname. And they have a Spy Valley uh, winery that's not too far from there. So all kinds of our intelligence gathering apparatuses are with those countries. A little interesting that Canada and New Zealand were not uh, invited. I wonder if it's entirely possible that the Canadian and New Zealand navies are simply not um, major players in this situation, or maybe we're trying to send some sort of signal. I would like to see some subsequent outreach of the U.S. saying, hey, you know, we really do need everybody, um, all of our friends coming together. To, you know, the, the, the more people we have, the more uh, effective a deterrent we'll have. And so at some point, you know, yes, France and New Zealand and Canada and these other countries could indeed get this sort of thing. It's kind of one other kind of closing thought when you think about the five eyes. Somebody made the observation that less formal a relationship between two allies is, the more likely it is to be effective. Um, and that the idea that the five eyes doesn't have its own headquarters, doesn't have its own treaty, it doesn't have its own, or at least you know, there's not a lot of built up bureaucracy around the maintenance of this, the way there is for say NATO or, or something like that. So I kind of wonder if we're seeing this uh, uh, relationship and I know the Biden administration is also touting what they call the quad, uh, which would involve India. You know, there is in Japan and, and, and uh, other you know, allies in that kind of region, South Korea, you know, there's, there, there could be real value to this. And I, I'm glad to see this sort of thing. Um, I'm less than 100% completely convinced that the president who referred to that fella down under, uh, because he could not remember the name of Prime Minister Morrison over in, in Australia. Uh, but hey, you know what? We'll take these wins where we can get them. We'll take the good martinis where we can get them. And this is a good step in the right direction. Um, so a rare kudos to the Biden administration for this. Yeah, three thoughts from your excellent analysis there, Jim. First of all, I assume if your intelligence operations are headquartered in a place called Spy Valley, it's not exactly a clandestine <laughs> operation. <laughs> I do remember uh, France denying airspace for the Libya attacks in 86. I believe Margaret Thatcher was extremely upset about that since uh, we had to take the long way around. And I'm perfectly fine with the Australians having nuclear subs. I just assume that they're not going to use them if people leave their houses under COVID restrictions. Because, uh... <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, Australia used to be part of the Western line up there. They're still you know, losing their minds on this issue. But uh, yes, at this point, you know, beggars can't necessarily be choosers. Yes, exactly. So anyway, I hope that works out. Uh, let's talk about something that's definitely working out for Jim, and that is the X-Chair. Uh, Jim, uh, we have been very excited about a number of different sponsors. I'm not sure I've ever heard you be more excited than uh, being able to talk about the X-Chair. Yes, yeah, the, the Beersy was pretty good. Um, you know, we've enjoyed the, the Moink steaks and all, but really, day after day, I'm just I come down to my home office as the, you know, you, you can't hear too much of the construction in the background now, but uh, I'm glad that I still have this chair. It's as comfortable as ever. Um, and I just, I, I keep telling people, if you're going to spend time at a desk and, and, you know, look, people are working from home, maybe they're returning from the office, maybe you can get your office to spring for one of these. Um, it's worth it. Not, you know, and it's not just because of the gadgets, the, the massage, the heating, all the different options that it has. It's just that you're going to spend a lot of time sitting at your desk and you want that to be as comfortable as possible. I think everybody's had some experience where you sit in a you know, kitchen table chair or something for the course of the day. By the end of the day, you've got a sore back, you've got a sore neck, sore shoulders. You're, you know, you're just not used to doing it. So like at a sitting in one like this. So look, take care of yourself. This is not 
this is not a splurge. This really is an investment in your health and comfort doing your job, which is something you absolutely have to do. So I cannot recommend it enough. You thank yourself every time you sit down at it, and it will make spending as much time at your desk as you have to feel a lot easier and go by a lot quicker. Try the X chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you'll never go back. Go to xchairmartini.com now. That's the letter X, chair, M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com for $100 off your order. X chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. xchairmartini.com. All right, Jim, on to our second good martini and the... Great news today is that special prosecutor John Durham has a pulse. Yes, he looks like he's still on the case of uh, what at least some figures in the Obama administration and, uh, you know, in that orbit were doing during the 2016 campaign uh, in terms of uh, crafting the assertion that uh, the Trump campaign was uh, colluding with the Russians. And before he left office, Attorney General Bill Barr uh, left Uh, Durham on the job. So far, Merrick Garland has not uh, done anything to change that policy. Although, since this story is from the New York Times, there are a lot of people apparently this morning who believe that uh, the Justice Department is leaking this ahead of any actions Durham might do. But here's what the Times says. Uh, John Durham, the special counsel appointed by the Trump administration to scrutinize the Russia investigation, has told the Justice Department he will ask a grand jury to indict a prominent cybersecurity lawyer on a charge of making a false statement to the FBI. Any indictment of the lawyer, Michael Sussman, a former federal prosecutor and now a uh, partner at the Perkins Coy Law Firm and who represented the DNC on issues related to Russia's 2016 hacking of its servers, is likely to attract significant political attention. The case against Mr. Sussman centers on the question of who his client was when he conveyed certain suspicions about Mr. Trump and Russia to the FBI in September 2016. Among other things, investigators have examined whether Mr. Sussman was secretly working for the Clinton campaign, which he denies. So, Jim, it's obviously not uh, a marquee name here. Uh, It looks to be one charge of making a false statement, but I guess the good news here is that the investigation is still going forward. We know Durham was a reputation of being deliberate, my goodness, has that ever panned out? Uh, what do you make of this uh, latest layer? So I had to go back and check. It was way back in November 2019 that I wrote what I think is probably the most detailed profile of John Durham looking over his career. Uh, he is famously tight-lipped and does not like talking to reporters. And I think basically he's given like one public speech to his alma mater in his entire career. And the theme that kept coming up is that Durham is a terrific you know, prosecutor, doesn't like to talk to people, doesn't, isn't in it for the limelight. And oh, by the way, he's extremely thorough. And yes, he's extremely slow. He does not rush things. And the idea you know, from early on, it was fairly, it was not likely that he was going to come up with something that would end up uh, uh, having an impact on the 2020 presidential election. Uh, he was just going to keep, you know, almost like a, like a medieval monk or something like that. Continue working, continue digging, going down every possible avenue of investigation until it's completely done. And I you know, look back and I checked, um, you know, there are a few things we can surmise about Durham's ongoing investigation. He will not speak to the press at all until he is done or probably not even then. They are extremely unlikely to leak. He is not afraid to reach conclusions that will disappoint or frustrate Attorney General Barr or President Trump. You know, and I'm going to underline this in red. He will not be rushed. 
There is no guarantee that Durham will reach any prosecutorial decisions before the 2020 elections, and he will investigate so extensively and thoroughly that no reasonable observer will be able to argue that something important was missed. Um, and I quoted a former colleague who said he will be in constant pursuit of the truth and the facts of the evidence. He doesn't take days off. He is methodical, but he is always working. Now, I know there are a whole bunch of Trump fans who are really furious about this and who basically feel like, you know, Durham's been on the side of a milk carton for the last, you know, two years and kind of, you know, fuming, where was this and all that kind of stuff. And there you can definitely make the argument that justice delayed is justice denied. But look, if Sussman lied to the FBI, uh, you know, that's one that is significant. The second thing is if he was working for Hillary Clinton, that's significant. At minimum, we know he's working for a law firm that's got all kinds of ties to the Democratic Party. So I, I think it's curious. We'll see what comes out of this. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of folks who wanted to see, uh, you know, Durham arresting lots of high profile Democrats, which was always extraordinarily unlikely. Um, but it's interesting to see this, how this shakes out. It does indicate that the investigation is still ongoing. And uh, that's, uh, you know, it, it, it's good to see a pulse. It's good to see a sign that this is done. And again, if and when Durham says this is the completion of my investigation, I think you can't say that it wasn't thorough enough or it wasn't detailed enough or that there was some sort of case to be made that he just wasn't interested in making. So uh, we'll see how it shakes out. But I think it's a it's nice to see a sign of life, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't know how far it'll go. Uh, certainly that whole episode from what we already do know, whether there are ever charges coming is another story. But uh, Comey, McCabe, Strzok, Page, ugly chapter, ugly chapter in the history of the FBI. But it's not the only one, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Uh, but before we get to the latest black eye for the FBI, let's talk about fabulous products over at my pillow. We've talked about the pillow, the sheets, the towels, uh, there's the mattress topper, so many different things. But right now, we're focusing on the new My Slippers. The My Slippers took two years to develop to ensure they are the highest possible quality and comfort. And right now, you can get your own pair of My Slippers, which I highly endorse, for 50% off with our promo code Martini. These slippers are durable. You can wear them all day, indoors, outdoors, wherever you like. They're made from beautiful leather suede and have cozy faux fur linings and a sole that works indoors and outdoors. They're available in moccasin or slip-on style. They come in a variety of colors and they have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. And each slipper has three layers. The first layer is the MyPillow patented fill. It's the patented foam you know and love from your pillow. And now it's a solid layer providing incredible comfort. The second layer is the comfort memory foam, which provides that micro comfort and support so you can wear these slippers all day. And the third layer is the patented impact gel made from U.S. soybeans, which is a revolutionary in absorbing impact and relieving pressure. I got to tell you, I was never really a slippers guy. And so when MyPillow uh, sent uh, the slippers to try out, I was like, yeah, I'll try them. I'm not really expecting much. Wow. Just so comfortable. Jim just explained the three different layers. Uh, it really is like uh, just walking around on cushions, but you can wear them inside and outside. I love to wear them around the house as much as I possibly can. And for a limited time, uh, MyPillow is offering 50% off the new My Slippers. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square. Enter the promo code Martini or call 800-874-0104. Now, while you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bedsheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and the MyPillow towel sets. But you can only save that 50% on the new MySlippers with our promo code MARTINI. So call 800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today. 
All right, Jim, on to our very bad final martini. And as we mentioned, it's about the uh, FBI stumbling once again. And so the investigation into the molester who was somehow kept on as the team doctor for USA Women's Gymnastics for not years, but decades, uh, finally came to a head uh, within the past couple of years. Larry Nassar is now in prison, should be there for the rest of his life as far as I know. Uh, but how it took so long to get there is starting to become known. Um, first of all, of course, he was mostly molesting underage girls, and this guy's been around forever, and so they probably felt uh, reluctant to talk about it. But once they finally did, turns out the FBI wasn't all that uh, interested in advancing the plot much. So yesterday, before the Senate Judiciary Committee, four uh, of uh, our female gymnasts, including Simone Biles, Ali Raisman, uh, Michaela Maroney, who we'll hear from in a minute here, uh, talking about the abuse they suffered and how the FBI was just inexplicably dropping the ball all over the place. And we're going to focus on Maroney here because she's not only accusing the FBI of largely ignoring her allegations, she says the FBI didn't even file her report uh, for 17 months. And when it finally did, it had it incorrect in her estimation, to protect Nasser and whoever else at the expense of all these female gymnasts. Her story was horrific about how Nasser would always put her last on the therapy list in the evening and just molest her at length uh, on a very frequent basis. It's absolutely horrific. And then uh, she talked about how she finally reported all this to the FBI in 2015. She was in tears as she went into all the details. And there was no empathetic response from the FBI at all on this phone call. Uh, when she finally finished speaking, the F all the FBI said, is that all? And then uh, this was her assessment of uh, the FBI's handling of her case. What is the point of reporting abuse if our own FBI agents are going to take it upon themselves to bury that report in a drawer? They had legal, legitimate evidence of child abuse and did nothing. If they're not going to protect me, I want to know who are they trying to protect? What's even more upsetting to me is that we, now, we know that these FBI agents have committed an obvious crime. They falsified my statement and that is illegal in itself. Yet no recourse has been taken against them. The Department of Justice refused to prosecute these individuals. Why? Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco couldn't even bring herself to be here today, and it is the Department of Justice's job to hold them accountable. I am tired of waiting for people to do the right thing, because my abuse was enough, and we deserve justice. So, Jim, obviously the, the details here are absolutely grotesque and disgusting uh, in and of itself, but the fact that the FBI would either be corrupt or be so incompetent to just leave this on the sideline uh, and, and get it wrong. There's no good explanation for this. Uh, Chris Ray apologized for it. Uh, folks have pointed out that this was going on before he became FBI director, obviously, uh, because Comey was there at the time this all started and, and was until 2017. So a uh, lot of finger pointing to happen here, but yet another example of the FBI just totally blowing it. The... Um it was, it was disturbing listening to that yesterday, Greg. And I, I guess you can give some credit to Ray for apologizing. I think an apology is, is more than needed in this circumstance. I also think it was really bizarre to see the number of people who saw, heard this and saw this and said, time for Director Christopher Ray to resign. Now, 
Christopher Ray was not in the FBI during this time period. Nasser was indicted in late 2016. Ray took over in 2017. If you really want to ask, where was the leadership, the top leadership of the FBI during this time? This is really a question for Jim Comey. Mm-hmm. And the the observation, I didn't see Comey at the test at the uh, uh, hearing yesterday. And Monaco not showing up. Uh, also is not particularly uh, a good look on her. That looks like dodging and hiding responsibility for this. Yes, I realize the director is not you know, making every decision, but in the end, like you're supposed to set that kind of leadership. It is piled atop all the other issues and you're kind of left with the sheer number of gymnasts who are making these accusations. The sheer, um, you're just kind of left wondering what, what the decision-making was. And it, it's, it's hard to believe that they would say, well, we don't think this is a serious problem. So I think the more accurate one is, is that they just kind of, uh, or, the, or the more believable one is that somehow either they felt it didn't rise to the level of something the FBI should be dealing with, or, or just for whatever reason, it was you know, this general sense of big institutions not always listening to the victims of sex abuse the way they should. And it seems inexplicable, it seems bewildering, and it seems really in some ways almost terrifying that law enforcement officials could be you know, notified of this and then have then do nothing effectively or, or, or drag their feet so long that a year could go by. The other thing which also seems fascinating is how much like it's bad when this occurs at a school or a camp or something like that. For this to happen on the U.S. gymnastics team, you figure this would make people sit up and take notice, that this would be the sort of thing that would say, oh, my goodness, I can't, you know, how could this possibly be? Um, you're also kind of left with a scratching your head and wondering if this is, if there's a mentality like, well, this is too horrible. We can't acknowledge this. This is too bad. This is too sick. It's one thing when it happens at some no-name school or camp or something like that. But if the U.S. gymnastics team and one of the, the trainer or coach who's, who's most connected to this is associated with this sort of thing, well, that's too scandalous. we got to cover this up. Lord knows we've seen a lot of people try to cover up egregious sex scandals. Um, hate to you know close our podcast on such a grim note, but it felt utterly um, the sort of thing that could not pass without that. And again, someday I'd really love to see a lot of tough questions directed at Jim Comey and maybe some of his leadership instead of poor Chris Ray having to stand there and take all the uh, uh, blame and, and you know criticism for something that happened before he was on the job. Yeah, Comey does need to answer for this. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of people at the FBI. There's a lot of different uh, focal points for the FBI, but... Maybe a few less bogus FISA warrants and a little more attention to uh, prominent people uh, taking advantage of uh, underage people would be would be a nice touch. Uh, Jim, just shaking our heads here. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks very much for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. Uh, We're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a terrific Thursday, and please join us again on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next.